Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Coriolis Rules by Free League Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and contains adult themes. Strong language, powerful factions, and adventures across the third horizon await. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your game master this evening, Michael Diamond, and we are back with one of our Children of the Periphery preludes for our Coriolis game, which we will be launching very shortly. I have had an awful lot of fun so far in our preludes, and I am going to welcome a new player to this stage. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and who they are playing. Hi, this is Rena, and I will be playing Tamarisk Anvari, Tamar, to my friends and intimates. Mm. Wonderful. Can't wait to become one of your intimates. Now, I since we are on a fresh canvas preparing our portrait for everyone to see, perhaps you could tell us a bit about Tamar and what they look like and sort of what strikes someone uh, the most about them. Oh, Tamar is about five foot eight. They've got very long, flowy, slightly curly dark hair that they usually keep down, very piercing dark eyes. They have very angular bone structure. That's something someone would notice fairly quickly, just how high their cheekbones are. And that tends to lead to the glinting hint of mischief in their eyes when you look them straight in the face. Generally, they wear a long sort of knee-length tunic, slightly longer sometimes over trousers with maybe a robe over it. They tend to dress in blues and purples and golds for the most part. And they move like someone who is very used to being around other people and being noticed. Interesting. So they welcome the eye of attention when it is placed on them? They do. Very good. And so for our audience, perhaps you could give uh, an idea, slight idea anyway, of their concept, what you're conceptualizing them as. So Tamar is a courtesan, specifically trained in dance. That is what they live for, for the most part. But they move in higher circles, even if they're not part of it themselves, because they escort members of society, politicians, and so on, to various cultural events. They have a bit of clout, let's say, from their profession, and so that gives an air to whoever they are escorting. And sometimes they perform at dinner parties. (laughs) We could only be so lucky. So... This evening, we will find Tamar preparing. They have a function to go to. A request has been made that they appear at a function with two brothers. So the background that they would have been provided is that there are two brothers who are allied very closely with the Free League. Um, They are traitors, uh, Rohan and Kabir. And these brothers, sometimes called the Brothers Baski, are popular, wealthy, and very quickly becoming a political force within the Free League faction. Because money leads to power, and at least one of the brothers is choosing to forge that very precious resource into a political knife edge 
for his faction. There have been some quiet rumblings a little bit around some of the social circles that if Rohan, the older, perhaps a bit more genteel of the brothers, can somehow keep Kabir, the bullish, hyper-masculine, younger brother, if they can keep him in check somehow and not destroy the China shop, it's quite possible that the brothers Bakshi could be a force for decades. And that has, we'll just say, some social climbers and some social watchers very intrigued about what they could become. And so your duties have been requested by your faction, Alam's Temple, to attend this soiree, this gathering, where reportedly there's going to be music and dancing, gambling, and perhaps light refreshments for a few hours in one of the upper spires, most politically and socially powerful. They're called hammams. So for out-of-game knowledge for you, a hammam is a Turkish bath. And so you would already readily know that in a hammam, there is going to be an, an outer courtyard, an area where people can gather. But internally, basically, you have all the functions of a bathhouse, which means there likely will be other courtesans there. But also, there will be people being bathed. And so that is just another nuance that goes that's going to continue to go on. It's likely that that won't be the only entertainment. It won't be only dancing. It won't be only music. There will be other functions and um, features of said function going on. But that is what you have been asked to attend to with the lightest of undertone to collect for the temple what information might be possible to be gathered at such an event, specifically pertaining to the brothers. Business as usual, but very interesting this time. So I guess what I'd like to know from Tamar is how would they prepare themselves? How would they prepare their body, prepare their outfit? What would they wear? That sort of thing. What would they bring with them to such an event? So whenever one of these events happens, Tamar takes a very long bath, usually with rose petals, a bit of rose water for the scent, just to get in the right mood, but also be pleasing aesthetically in all the senses. And spend time perfuming and oiling their hair, making it as lush as possible, making sure they have the right perfumes based on what they might know of their the person they're accompanying, in this case both persons, what they might find interesting or attractive in this case. And usually listening to music, calming sort of, to, to get into a peaceful, neutral sort of state. You don't want to be overly excited or any other strong emotions when you're going out. Okay. So preparing yourself both inwardly and outwardly for an hour or so, you prepare to arrive at the party while it's already going in full swing. The idea is never to be there early because you are an attraction at the party. Courtesans in general are meant to be attractions for a myriad of reasons and purposes. And so one would never arrive at a party early or even think on time. It is likely, I will let you determine it for Tamar, of course, but it is likely that you are used to courtesans feeling like they are the main event. Many other people think of that 
that way, especially if uh, a courtesan is, say, headlining something. You're not being advertised that you know of as, as being there, but you're certain that other partygoers will know that you have arrived when you get there. And sometimes the surprise attractions are the most interesting ones, darling. Certainly. So the approach for you from the temple's perspective is they send you with a small complement of people. These are mostly people that are there to act as physical protectors for you. You have yet to have an incident in the past several cycles. For the most part, the places that you go are appointed with not only guards, but obviously people socially who aren't going to bother with with bothering you while you are trying to work. But that doesn't, of course, it can't speak for everyone. And sometimes there are um, less than comfortable outcomes. So they generally send at least one or two people to keep an eye on you while you're there. And it's more a service to make sure that you are safe rather than to watch your every move. It's comforting, if anything else. They have your best interest in mind. The party, as it were, though, this restaurant, is full of very, very lively music when you arrive. So the party is clearly in full swing. There are people outside the bath and sort of this antechamber area that are enjoying fine drinks, that are having wonderful conversations that you're getting little bits and pieces of as you prepare to step in. Deeper, deeper within this long hallway, you see people lined to the left and the right-hand side. Beautiful, just uh, amazing latticework, mosaic tile encapsulates this hallway. And each breach in the hallway, as there are doors on the left and the right-hand side on the way down, each one is sort of capped with this cascade of very specific white and blue tiling that makes it look like there's a waterfall above every door. Enhanced over that are lighting effects. And there's even a little bit of burbling water in the background of the music that you can tell to sort of, again, further enhance the experience. First-rate food and spiced breads are just nipping at your nostrils as you get closer to the door. Not a single person asks why you are there. The guest maitre d', the head attendant there, simply bows and steps out of your way, gesturing to the long hallway, giving you the, just the briefest of thanks for coming to their event, for attending, to graciously grant us a moment of your presence. I give them the slightest head nod, as is appropriate, and sail on in. And sail you do. Along your sails come looks, murmurs, people whispering. The politically connected are here, many different factions, whether they be first comes or Zenithian factions. All sorts of people here, all types, shapes, sizes. Deeper on in, as you pass two or three doorways, this hallway opens like a lotus flower into a small sitting area that has a, a pond at its center. And you can see a mirror, the other half of the lotus flower, mirrored in the wall tiling that's been done. Very beautiful. Have I established with the brothers where I should meet them in this place? It is 100% 
likely that they are deeper in, maybe not perhaps in the bath portion of this building, but there is likely either on the left or the right-hand side, because this is where the hallway sort of forks, there is likely a location where there is a more formal courtyard where tables would be set up for regular table service and um, music. In fact, there does seem to be some flute and or cymbal playing that's going on to your right. You're very observant and you're sharp for sure. And so you're guessing that the baths are to the left and that the courtyard is to the right. So I will follow the music at that point. Brief look around, making as I go, making note of the people who are here and anything I might uh, find interesting later, but not not spending too much time and definitely not obviously slowing down and looking at anything. No, no, no. Perish the thought. You wouldn't want to give someone that much of your energy, at least because you're you're working on saving it up for people who you need to use it on. I don't know. There's probably trade talk. There's probably political talk as well. That is fairly common here. The intra-faction discussions and one of the probably bigger topics is the seemingly unending back and forth between the Free League and the Consortium. So for you, for background, one of the more pressure points when it comes to the two of them is the Consortium is sort of a is the Zenithian faction that sort of has a, a card in its deck for literally everything. They are a faction made up of a ton of mini factions, basically, that all fall under one banner. And they like to think that they basically rule everything. The Consortium is big enough that they have multiple seats on the council. And so that's why they get to, they, they're sort of, of, in a way, sort of bullies on the block. The Free League kind of does the same thing that the Consortium does, except they do it in their own way. And they like to make trouble, especially for the Consortium, by antagonizing those who follow the deckhand and, and some of the others to maybe slow down Consortium ship traffic and give them a bit of an edge here or there. There's always this push-pull between those two factions. And there's quite a lot of animosity in and around Coriolis, but also beyond that. While there's no we'll say open fighting going on, it wouldn't be surprising to see a couple of fights break out in bars and stuff like that. None of that here, but there's talk. Of course. That's what we do here. We talk. So the courtyard is a fairly expansive space. We'll say it's about 20 or so feet, 25 or so feet wide, but it's about 60 long, and it wraps around a portion uh, of this upper portion of the spire at the restaurant. It actually allows you to see down into spaces below. And that's really, in a way, the big calling card of this restaurant, right? It's the view. Nobody really comes here for the food, even though the food's fine. Nobody comes here for the drinks, even though they're great. People come here to be able to look out and, more importantly, look down on the populace which lives below. Set against that as a backdrop. At the edge of the wall of this courtyard is an, a massive dinner table. And there are four or five people at this table who are, they don't exactly fit into the serene, simple gathering. They are loud. They are boisterous. 
and they seem to be gambling. This is generally not the place for it, but given that the Buxley brothers have essentially rented out the restaurant, they can kind of do whatever they want. And it's fairly impossible to miss Kabir, who's at the right end of this table. He's about two meters tall, so he's about 6'6". He weighs probably about 145 kilograms. He's a very large man. He's built like a bear. He has a, a pretty trademark eye patch that he wears over his right eye. And um, you're not really sure where he lost his eye at. And it's not like the Boxy Brothers don't have enough money to try to clone a replacement or something like that. But you think that, I think maybe Kabir just likes being that sort of grizzled, hard-edged, hyper-masculine person. On the other side of the table is his counterpart, and that's Rohan, who is maybe at most, at most, 5'11", 6 feet tall. He's maybe a couple hundred pounds. He's fairly toned physically. He wears a lot of long, draping clothing, whether it be a tunic and boots and some sort of off-shoulder cape, or he might be dressed in anything from that to a full, more ceremonial piece that he may have put together with long sort of draping gold and brass chains. He's on the other side. He's quiet. The people in, in the middle seem to be sort of batting about different points of conversation as you walk in. To your right, there is a three-piece band that is playing some beautiful and otherwise soothing music, which it seems the table is not paying any attention to. No, clearly they have other far more interesting things going on. So I would approach the table, stop, give a slight bow from the waist towards Rohan, who I believe is the older brother. Mm -hmm. Courteously, you approach the elder first and then a slight one to Kabir and see what I'm directed to do. Rohan notices you fairly quickly. He turns to his right and he sort of raises a left hand towards the table as if to pause the conversation. Everybody except Kabir stops talking. When Rohan stands up, he commands the entire room as soon as he rises to his feet, but not in a iron fist sort of way, more as all these people socially are interested in learning as much as they can about him. And so they're, they immediately begin clocking all of the things that he does. And he steps over and gives you a heartfelt bow with sort of his right hand over his chest and says, I guess, I guess how, how would your character normally be addressed? Would you use a title or would you just use your name? I think I'd just use my name because that's part of the whole clout is this is who I am. Certainly. Uh, so he comes up from this bow and he says, Tamarisk Anvarni? A pleasure. Mm. Welcome. Please um, ignore my brother for the moment. Eyes just sort of flicker in that direction. Yeah, I, Kavir is busy drinking something out of a large decanter. You have no idea what it is. It's probably alcoholic, but who can say? The band behind you softens, like their music comes down a few decibels. Well, uh, it's fortunate that you're here. I've heard quite a bit about your uh, talents. I always appreciate an invitation. It's interesting. 
we don't get many um, opportunities to relax anymore. Business is too busy these days. Um, but how can you expect to succeed in your business without feeling relaxed? There is a bellow from the other side of the room and you hear Kabir say, he never relaxes. He's all business all the time. And sort of this really like teethy, meaty sound. He stands up and the chair nearly topples over when he does. Give me a wits and observation roll. So that's six dice total. Okay. And then let me know what you get. One success is all you need. I have two. So whereas when Rohan stood up and he got the quiet respect from people in the room, when Kabir stands up, things are different. There are people who naturally turn and watch what he does, but more in a predator-prey relationship. It's impossible for you to miss. Kabir puts his hand out and seemingly steadies himself on the chair that is most immediate between you and him. So there's probably three or four of them. And so he steadies himself and then sort of continues to move forward to the two of you, towards the two of you. And again, at full height, he's enormous. He's close to a head taller than his brother. And so the perspective is sort of daunting. And uh, he steps over and then stops halfway through and looks at the band and says, are you going to play something? And they sort of try to recover. For his credit, Kabir does not miss a beat. He does not give any sort of pantomime away that he is frustrated with his brother. He turns, though, and says, Brother, we have a guest. Please come and show your respects to them. Rohan waits. Kabir continues to move. He lurches a little closer towards you. He's probably a good couple of meters away. Even at that range, it's fairly easy for you to pick up that Kabir's been drinking for some time now. He wipes his eye and uh, adjusts the eye patch just ever so slightly. So looks down at you and says, I've heard of you. I've heard of you. Wonderful. I was hoping there would be some dancing. And he sort of rocks back on his heels a little bit like a bear. And he claps this enormous, meaty hand clap. If you didn't know it was any better, it would be like a ship's engine was taking off. And he says, play them something that they can dance to. That's why they're here. And he is immediately like jovial and manic. And he starts like clapping along with the beats and he's getting people out of their chairs nearby to like help him. And within 30 seconds, the room's vibe totally changes. And suddenly it's like being at a festive wedding. Rohan gestures to the seemingly open floor and says, we would be honored if you would entertain us with your talents. That is why I am here. I'm feeling a slight discomfort from the proximity of Kabir and just how drunk he is, but I hide it because I've had to deal with a lot of very drunk people that I've been around and escorted on occasion. Undoubtedly. But with proximity, it's a little discomforting, but I have dance to do and that will get me a little bit further out of his way at least. Well, yeah, absolutely. 
I guess, go ahead and let us know how you would approach the dancing or what kind of dancing you do. So generally it's slower because I use a fan unless I'm with a partner, more kind of ball dancing or that sort of thing. But if they're expecting a solo performance, then I would request a more melodic, slower song from the band because that's the sort of work that I do. You can absolutely get the tempo turned down. And so they sort of go from maybe 120, 130 beats per minute. They drop it down to about 100. And so there's almost this, I don't want to say polka, but that's what I keep thinking as far as the, the beat goes, like as far as the speed of it. They rely heavily at that point on the drums and the cymbals to, to meet out that beat. And people clap and people get into it, but it, it you get your way in the sense that they turn the tempo down for you. So in that case, uh, when the tempo slows down enough and the cymbals pick up, then I'll go into a traditional Zenithian dance, which has these kind of, for us, Greek dancing sort of feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And the occasional mischievous flourish of a fan. Very mischievous. Okay, so I think that most of that is going to be empathy manipulation for you. Because really what you're trying to do is you are trying to manipulate the crowd mm-hmm. in effect. And so I will ask for that. That's just one. Yeah, one is all you need. You dance for a period of time, and it's probably a good five to ten minutes. You wax and wane through the crowd at its edges, likely trying to stay very... I won't say very far from Kabir because you would know better than to try to avoid an honored guest, but you'd pick your battles. Kabir goes in and out of the ring of the crowd. He's pulling more people in closer, and then he's he's doing a lot of movement. He's almost distracting, right? Because he's trying to get as many people in to see this amazing thing. And at the end of it, by you know eight or nine minutes in, he's in a corner somewhere, seemingly exhausted now, and he's talking outrageously with some woman that he's found, and he has completely forgotten about anything going on except listening to the music. You also notice another thing. You notice that Rohan is keeping a very close eye on what you were doing. Not in a judgmental sense, but he seems intrigued. The dance wraps up, and there is an enormous applause for you. I end in a pose with the fan out, with the hand in his direction, Rohan's direction, not reaching out toward him, toward him, but just in his direction. The crowd uh, claps and lightly disperses. Some stay around for the music that goes on afterwards. Some people go and get refreshments. Rohan doesn't really move so much as he stays fairly well planted where he's at. I move in his direction, unless I'm given a sign not to. You move in his direction. He um, gestures towards another area of the restaurant here. This this facility that's sort of built into this hammam nearby, this bath. And he says, walk with me if you would. Of course. I trust you enjoyed the performance. Mm. Yes, you're exceptional. Gifted. You're too kind. Hmm. 
I speak the truth. That is what is important. Well, it does seem that there is something more potential here, yes? At least I think so. A man in my position is always on the look for resources, assets, contacts. It is slowly becoming the meat of my plate. I spent many years traveling the different systems. I moved cargo to and from all along the Mirren chain. But those days are slowly waning. Now I find myself in more of an administrative position here. Instead of <laughs> bouncing along every single different space lane I can find, I now have a fleet of ships at my command. And seemingly, if you believe the Horizon Bulletin, I have something they call power. He smiles, sort of wryly. I don't know that I believe that. But what I do know is that other people look to me to feed their families, to provide. And there is some power in that, I suppose. Should I choose to wield it? Which I don't at this moment. But I have been made aware of an opportunity for someone of your talents. And I think... The offer is best in your hands and not in mine. You intrigue me. I should hope so. There is a patron, a woman. Her name is Marhoon. She is uh, fairly powerful in her own right. She has a an operational center that she works out of on the monolith. It's my understanding that Marhoon is looking for people who are culturally sensitive investigative understanding for some he smirks a little below the board work difficult things things which not everyone can accomplish and she is very slowly assembling some sort of team she came to me because the free league interacts with a lot of different people in a lot of different places and the ask is something that she can't be seen making personally. Politics being what they are, she has to be very careful about whatever asks she makes, especially when it's a non-Zenithian that she's seeking. Of course, how else would it be? It's my understanding that um, it's going to be quite an adventure. And for me, the time for adventure might be closing. I can't simply go anywhere anymore. But... If it's at least interesting enough for you to consider, I have a ship tag and transportation that can get you to the event. I'm very interested. He takes out a um, small chip. We'll say that it's four or five inches long, and it looks almost like a lipstick container. That's sort of the size, and he hands it to you. The meat is in a couple of days. That will get you from the plaza down to the monolith. It's a private transport. I do like the sound of that. Yeah, well, I can't promise it'll all be sunshines and rainbows, but maybe at the end of the day, it's worth a good story or two. Mm. Someone I know told me all we are is stories. Mm. Not sure how much stock I put in that, but it's a nice sentiment. It is. 
It is a very nice sentiment. You know, the the hammam here is exceptional. The uh, masseuses that work here are second to none, they say. So I've heard. Quite a wonderful place. Mm, it's not to be missed. And since the um, restaurant itself is invitation only, there are very few opportunities that even someone such as I would have a chance to get um, get to know it better. Oh, you could use some relaxation? I think we all could. Oh, there's so little time for it. But I think uh, it's quite a nice night for some. He extends an arm forward deeper into the bathhouse. Care to join me? Slight bow. Of course. So what follows is essentially a really, really wonderful massage and bath. All above board as far as intimate situations are concerned. Rohan never steps over any personal lines. Everybody, for the most part, stays clothed. You get an amazing hot stone massage basically at the edge of the spire to overlook the entirety of Coriolis and the main plaza. It is an experience that will be etched into your brain forever. The people who work here, the, the courtesans who work here as masseuses are uh, professionals in every sense of the word. And the experience that you're left with afterwards, sort of that beautiful vibrational warm feeling after you get a massage where you feel like your muscles have been worked but not worked too hard is a wonderful coda to our episode and so we will draw the curtain or perhaps the airlock closed on this prelude so we want to thank rena for joining us with their character and i am certain that There'll be a fresh face and an all-new spice in this dish that we're making for Children of the Periphery, a Coriolis story on the Old Ways podcast. So thank you for joining us, and thank you, Farina, for playing. Good night. <laughs>